to another episode of the Nick State of Mind podcast. Matt Castillo here with Chip Murphy and Danny Small. And it's been a long time since we have all three of us in the podcast. So it's 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 uh, it's good to see you guys. And, uh, you know, we got another Nick season here. We didn't know exactly when it was going to be a few months ago when the season finished up. You know, I had the feeling that it could be like January. And that was the initial plan. And then they announced by before Christmas the season's going to start. So we kind of jumped into it now and we've already been into uh two preseason games so far which we split with Detroit and those games so what we are going to do with this episode today is uh just strictly the Knicks season prediction outlook for this upcoming season kind of talk about where we think you know these team or where this team will be things to look out for um, I was joking with you guys before, we're going to have to burst some people on Nick Facebook's uh, plans of, of making the playoffs because that's that's just not going to happen. Uh, so we'll have some fun with it, talking about different things that we would like to see this season. And uh, Chip, I'll start with you. You with Before we go into like final record-wise, where are we going to think they'll be about that. What are some of the key things that you're looking forward to seeing this season from the Knicks? Just competence, pretty much. Like, improvement, competence. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time. And, you know, fun basketball. As a fan, fun basketball. We haven't been able to watch anything fun to root for in such a long time. So that would be nice. Uh, we saw R.J. Barrett, what he did uh, against the Pistons. It was preseason. In the second game, he was so good, and especially in that second half, had 19 points uh, and stuff like that. You know, uh, it'd be nice to see more of that, a player who looks like he could be a potential future piece of the franchise. How many times have we signed a player, traded for a player, and been like, oh, this guy is going to be so good. Uh, we're going to when we trade him for a piece, trade him for a uh, draft pick, it'd be nice to actually have a player who we know is going to be on the team for the long haul. And I don't know if we can say that about any of these guys right now. I think all of them are at best used to get a star. Yeah. But RJ is the one who is emerging. I mean, we've talked about this, who it, we felt like Mitch might be that guy, but now, I mean, we'll talk about this later. I'm sure Nerlens Noel could be taking his starting spot. Um, but yeah, I want to see the young guys improve. Uh, the young guys get a shot, uh, more specifically, frightening Lakina getting a shot in that way. I think he's earned it with his play specifically last year. Um, and yeah, like, God, I, I think the defense you have to see uh, since you hired Tibbs, you have to see a good, like obviously not a great defense, but if they're, they're, bottom five in defensive rating like he was his first year with the Timberwolves that would be a disaster like if they were just an awful defense so I'm not saying they have to be like top 15 defense but between 20 and 25 is respectable like he needs to make them a just basically just show effort every night 
yeah. yeah. With Fizz, it was acceptable. It felt like it was acceptable to get blown out and be lazy, and there were no uh, repercussions from that with the coaching staff. And we already saw, you know, Thibodeau is more upset when he's losing during a preseason game than Fizz ever was when he was losing by 30 during a regular season. So it feels like that's not going to be an issue, the repercussions part. Uh, not that we thought it was with Tibbs, but yeah, I just comp- – it feels crazy saying that, but we'd like to see competence and the young guys get better. And I just – it's hard to say wins because I don't expect a lot of wins. So I'm not going to even – uh, say I want a lot of wins or play a playoffs is crazy craziness to talk about that but yeah I, I want to see a lot of RJ and uh, I don't want to see too much more of Julius Randall I guess would be number one I think getting Julius Randall off the team should be priority one right now yeah I really do and I don't I don't even say that as like to try and be malicious or anything I just think I think it would be best for him too because Let's be he honest. Be he, yeah. Somebody else. You know, that, that's the thing. Like here he's, yeah, he's one of our best players, but I mean, our, our highest paid player, but it, it's, it is what it is at this point. You know, you, we rather see the young guys getting some minutes, developing things like that. And when you got a player like him that somebody else can use, you can, you can get some assets from. So I, I get what you're saying with, with Randall Chip. Um, you know, I know a lot of fans were hoping that maybe he's not going to start. He's going to start for sure. You know, that was, I didn't think that was in question ever. I don't know if you, if you thought so as well. I guess, but Alex Collins said this on Twitter. Why does he, why was it just assumed he had to start just because he's the highest paid player on the team? It's not like that. And uh, I think Alex mentioned soccer and it's not like that in other sports too. Just because a guy makes a lot of money, he just has to start. And it's not always like that in basketball, too. I mean, I know Randall scores a lot of points, but why did, why did he just have to start? Why is it assumed he had to start? I, I didn't understand that either. So, I mean, why, why do you guys think he was automatically inserted into the lineup? Did you guys think it was just a, a Tibbs-Vets thing? I think it was more to, than it. To, I think that's a lazy take. Like, so, what do you guys think about that? I think it's exactly what you're saying where there's sometimes this perception where he is the highest paid player. He's supposed to be the main piece. You got to start him type thing. That's the only thing I can really think of that they're not, you know, looking to maybe create that headline there with why is this guy making 80 million, whatever he's making, and he's not even in the starting rotation. Why is he even here? Blah, blah, blah. Things like that. I I really do think that that plays a big part of it. And then – you know, that, that's really the only thing I can think of it is he was – he's going to start because he's, he's the money man. That's, you know, it, it, I agree with you, Chip. I don't really understand that either. I mean, if he can be a better fit with the second unit or something like that, then why not? But the notion of you got to start your big money man is, I think, is exactly what is taking over here and the reason why he is starting. What do you think, Danny? I'm going to take a, a, a take that probably not many Knicks fans would, would like to hear, but he's better than Obi Toppin. Like, I mean, I get all of his warts and everything and, you know, a lot of his issues back, like from a basketball sense and like from a fit sense with, you know, you want to surround RJ with shooters, but like Obi Toppin is a rookie. 
Randall's been in the league for a long time. I know last year wasn't perfect with the, you know, the way the season unfolded, but Julius Randall is definitely better than Obi Toppin at this very moment. Obviously you want to, you know, you want to develop your young guys, your number one pick, your lottery guy. I get that. And I do agree with you, Chip. I think if he, everyone would be better off if Randall got traded to, you know, somebody who could use um, his talents a little bit better because it's not the best fit with the Knicks. Uh, but I think it just simply, you know, I mean, you look at it too. Nerlens Noel, I mean, we don't see what's going on in training camp, but he's obviously outplaying Mitch if he's starting. You know, I think Tibbs is probably just rewarding guys who are, you know, playing better in camp. I mean, same thing. Alfred Payton, he must be outplaying, uh, you know, DSJ, Frank quickly. He must be outplaying all those guys if he's starting too. Um, so I think just, you know, I think Not over that's time. That's hard. Yeah, no, I mean, trust me, uh, Liz, I'm not trying to hype up any of these yeah. guys as superstars, but um, I think, you know, early on, that's kind of just where we're at. Um, and with Randall, too, like, I think the pendulum has swung so far uh, for for a lot of Knicks fans, and I'm not saying you, Chip, I'm just saying, like, things you see on Twitter and, and you know, people are like, oh, Randall's terrible, he's awful. Um, I saw, you know, like a, a, a tweet today, actually, um, Schwinn from the Strickland who I like Schwinn I think he's I think he's great but he posted a video of Randall cutting to the basket on an RJ drive and he was like that's a terrible cut but it was actually a great cut like it was a great move Randall's guy went to help into the paint Randall cut he was wide open under the basket it drew Frank's defender down into the into the paint and RJ kicked it out for a wide open Frank three Frank missed the three but I think that's kind of um, a lot of Knicks fans are at the point where you know, no matter what Randall does, it's wrong. And he's terrible and he sucks and, you know, they got to get rid of him. And it's, that's just not the case. I mean, obviously last year didn't go well um, and he's not a perfect player and he's not a number one option that he never should have been. That's a tough position to put him in, um, but he's not a bad player. He's not terrible. I mean, he still has some, some good things um, that he can do. It's just the situation isn't great. Um, as time goes on, I wouldn't be shocked if they if they made a move and dealt him, or if they even you know flipped him and Obi because at a certain point they're going to start prioritizing development. But I don't think you can come out of training camp and basically say like, all right, we're you know we're not that they're punting on the season, but you can't really just come in and say, all right, Randall, you're benched. We're just going all young guys. I don't think I don't think that's realistic to do um, right off the bat. You know, and I, I think that's a, that's a fair take as well. And, and again, when I, when I talk about Randall, it's not so much that I don't recognize that he isn't a, a talented player. It's just, as you said, Danny, it's not really the best fit for us. Uh, it's, it's highly irritating, the turnovers, uh, when the ball is constantly up in his hands and when he decides to bring the ball off the floor. Um, it, it, you feel like, oh, gosh, here comes a turnover. Um, if he didn't turn over the ball as much, I think I can live with it. But it just frustrates the hell out of me when he turns over the basketball every other possession, doing the same exact move that we just seen him do before. He is a talented player, and he can help out so many other teams. It's just, I think you said it, Danny. He, I don't. He's not a number one, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what they have him here in New York. He is the number one, and that just does not fit him, which well, is the reason why he's not the best fit for us. What I, I would say, though, is that I think, I mean, preseason is meaningless. We, I don't want to put too much stock into it. But I think RJ will probably end up sooner rather than later being the number one 
Um, if not, you know, from game one on, at some point in the season, RJ will be the, the bona fide number one. Because even, you know, when RJ was playing well last year, I don't think that that was ever the case where he was the, the top dog. Uh, I think it was, you know, for the most part last year, it was, it was always Randall. Um, and then I guess you could say Marcus Morris uh, was probably in that mix as the, num- you know, number one, one A kind of guy uh, for a while. But I think, I think this year it looks like Barrett will be, um, will be the top dog at least at a, at a certain point in the season, if not from day one. And, and you know, going back to the original question for you, Danny, uh, if taking a look at this season, uh, what, are, what are some of the things that you're hoping to see out of the Knicks this year? What are some of your expectations? Uh, I would say, and I'm kind of piggybacking off of Chip's um, original points before we got into the Randall tangent, um, I would say competition. So I'm kind of definitely picking back because uh, he said competence. I'm saying competition. I think that uh, the competition applies to both on the team and guys competing for minutes, competing for spots. Because if you look at it, there are, you know, there are, it's going to be tough for Tibbs. There's about, you know, 11 or 12 guys who are kind of going for minutes there. It's going to be, it's going to be a battle to kind of grab some of those, uh, those minutes. I think competition within the team to see, kind of if who who rises to the top you know is Dennis Smith Jr. going to be able to carve out a role is Frank going to be able to stay in this you know kind of uh one of the first guards off the bench is is Kevin Knox going to be able to uh figure out you know where he fits on this team I think interest squad competition like that is going to be big and then I think just competing against you know kind of going back to what Chip said not having those 40 point blowouts to the Bucks or the Nuggets you know competing on a, you know, night in and night out. I'm not saying they have to win all those games, uh, but I think you'd like to see a couple more of those, um, you know, like the wins over the Heat, the win over the, the Rockets. You want to see a couple more of those in during the season um, compared to last year because obviously this is just off the top of my head, but I can't think of any other good wins for – actually, check that. The Ma- so you'd say, I'd say the two Mavericks games, Rockets, Heat. Four, they had four good wins last year that you really, really felt good about it when they were done. Um, you'd like to get a few more of those. I'm not sitting here and saying they're going to win, you know, 40 games and challenge for a playoff spot, but you'd like them to steal a few more of those games uh, in the season just because I think, you know, you don't want to oversell one regular season game too much. But that Rockets game was huge for R.J. Barrett's confidence, Frank's confidence. That Heat game, same thing. You know, Mavericks early in the season – I think you need to have a couple more of those moments to kind of build this team up and these young guys um, and kind of get them to figure out how to win in the NBA. Because, you know, everyone talks about the regular season doesn't matter. Who cares about the regular season? But for a team like the Knicks, that's the only time you're going to learn how to win. You got to figure it out at some point. Um, And then, you know, hopefully you can kind of build on this season, whatever happens, wherever you land in the draft, you can kind of take some of those experiences forward and then next year you can say, all right, now we're going for it. You know, we're going to try and make some noise in the East, do something, you know, maybe sneak into the playoffs, something like that. I think, you know, you kind of have to lay the foundation this season. Uh, and I think that we've been talking about that for, you know, the last three, four years. At, at a certain point, you got to actually do it and stop talking about it. Yeah, and, you know, first off, going – to the first preseason, it was just 
to start this off, it was just nice to see basketball again for the Knicks. We haven't seen it in March. I'm not going to lie that, you know, when we did shut down, I was done with watching the Knicks for the year. So it was, it was a, a needed break, at least for me. Um, but what, nine months and we got to see them in action. So just, just for starters, I, I just think back to the other night uh, as, as, you know, just a really good night to sit down and watch a Nick game um, was just really exciting to see. And then I also did the same thing on Sunday. But when I look at this season and some of the things that I want to see and, and <clears throat> hope to see out there from them is, you know, kind of like what you guys are saying, all I can ask for is to be competitive. Go out there and make it fun. You know, don't I don't, I don't want to sit through a season like I just had to with the freaking Jets, for God's sake, where, you know, that you know what the – shoot, I could tell you what's going to happen before – you know, it's, it's awful. Not to get you know, off too much of a Jets tangent. At least there's a light at the end of the tunnel for, with all the Jets exactly. losing. Exactly. For Trevor. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, knock on wood. We don't, I don't want to talk about it too much because it's, it's still yeah, – Right. We don't want to – right. You know. Yeah, yeah. But it's, also, it's also just rough. Uh, you know, I just don't want to sit through another season like that. Look, do I think we're going to win a lot of games? No. We're, we're just not. You know, we're just not that good of a team yet. We have some things that are exciting. You know, we talked about it all offseason. I think every offseason move that was made this year was probably first time ever where I didn't feel like anything negative actually happened. I like the front office moves. I like the head coach decision. I like his coaching staff that he brought in. Um, so there's really nothing negative that I could say from that perspective. And it's already off to a good start in that sense. But all I want to see is this team competitive. And I, I feel like I say this every year when we do this episode, but it's the truth. When you got a young team, winning is a process. And it's something that has to be learned. And we may, and as frustrating as it is, if we're in a lot of closed games and we are just losing, yeah, after a while that gets a little irritating. But you understand that these guys are learning. And eventually they're going to start turning those close losses into close uh, uh, to wins and, and start competing, you know, a little bit more. It's just not going to happen this year. And that's all I can really ask for is that, you know, one, think back, back to the game I actually went to last year in Charlotte where they looked like they, they didn't even want to be there. I mean, it, it was embarrassing. Um, I left cursing them out right by their bench because it was, it was pathetic. They all looked like they were sleepwalking. And then they turn around the next night and got smashed by Memphis and they wanted the show fight 30 seconds left into the game when Crowder shoots the three and I think Peyton pushed them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and so many fans were like, oh, that's good. We can't let them punk us here. Well, sh- I mean, shit, show up at the opening tip and then somebody wouldn't punk us. That's, that's all I want to see is a team that's going to compete, play hard. Chip, you were talking about, you know, from Thibodeau's perspective of being a, a defensive-minded coach, expectations are supposed to be better defensively. I don't want to see layup lines for the opposing team. And another thing I want to see them do better is defend along the perimeter. I mean, you think about it. They were guys that were having career nights from behind the arc because they were just so wide open anytime they played us. I mean, Rajon Rondo, I know, shot very well in the bubble. But, I mean, he made like four or five. Ben Simmons made a damn three on us last year. I mean, you know, it was just guys had wide open looks. It, it's, that's got to stop. I'm looking to, you know, forward to see that. And then, of course, we got young players. I want to see them develop. I want to see the positive step. You guys keep talking about Barrett, you know, eventually being that number one guy. I hope so. 
I hope it's a team that goes through him and that he can deliver because that's the reason why we took him number three overall in last year's draft. That's, that's the hope. We need him to kind of emerge as that guy. You know, think today, talking about uh, Giannis, who signs that, that Supermax deal to stay in Milwaukee, and, and Tibbs is talking about the importance of a superstar. The, the only way you're going to attract them is if you have something, if you have some kind of foundation. That's what we desperately need for Barrett to be that foundation, for somebody to go, damn, I want to play with that kid. That kid has it. That's what we want to see. So I hope to see a big step from him and a lot of other young players that we have. I want to see more out of Frank Nielakina. Uh, you know, I, I just, I, again, I say the same thing. I don't need him to drop 20 points a game. I, I understand he's not that guy, and that's fine. All I'm asking for is to hit the open shot. When you're open, shoot it and make a, a consistent amount of them. You're not going to make everyone. I get that. Uh, Kevin Knox was, I mean, that, that was brutal. It was painful to watch at times last year, him on the floor. And, you know, the second preseason game, he had a couple air balls. And it's preseason. Danny, you said it's not, it's not the, the end all be all to look at it and, and take so much from it. But Kevin Knox is that kind of guy that we, we need to kind of step up and take a bigger role. And if the Knicks are going to be better than what we have seen the last couple of years, it's about these young guys taking a, a bigger step. And if they don't, it's going to be similar to what we have seen the last few years of not being competitive and losing these games. So, you know, those are just some of the components that I'm looking forward and hoping for this year. I think we can. I think we are going to be better defensively. Um, one thing I absolutely love, and I was going to see if you guys noticed the same thing, and Chip, I think you kind of talked about it. You can see that Thibodeau is more upset losing a preseason game than Fisdale was ever in a regular season game and coming up with excuses and hugging these guys and coddling them and making excuses for them. And that's what he did. He wanted to be everybody's friend. And you can't be like that if you're going to be a coach in the NBA, just saying, um, at least not all the time. But, you know, one thing I, I've loved so far is I see Tibbs pulling over the young players almost every stoppage of play. If there's a foul or something, he's pulling it over and he's coaching. He's communicating with them. He's telling them, look, in this situation, you have to do this. You have to do I – I didn't see that from any of our coaches the last several years of coaching these players, going up to them, calling them over, you know, and, and telling them what they did wrong. That's how they learn. He's coaching. That's something that I love to see. Um, and I was just curious, did you guys notice the same thing? You know, Danny, you have covered the team and, and been around the team uh, do you, you notice that Tibbs is, is pulling them over and talking to these young kids more than the other coaches, or is that just something that I had missed I, 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 from the other coaches in the past few years? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're necessarily wrong. I think it, I, I can't say definitively one way or the other, just because I think, you know, they showed us a couple times on camera, you know, Tibbs, but it's hard, you know, when you're not in the stadium or whatever, but um I think I think Miller Miller was decent at that. I I, mean, I noticed him, you know, coaching up the young guys. He wasn't so loud and rah rah as other coaches, but he was he was a a big step up from Fizz. Um, but I think you know if you're just looking at track record, Thibodeau's got a really good track record with you know developing young guys and stuff like that. So I think you know obviously he's he's got to be a, a little bit of a step up from Miller there. Uh, and I think you know it's a good thing to see passion out of a head coach. Really, the only time you'd see Fisdale go nuts like that is if there was a bad call and he was, you know, give him credit, he was stepping up for his guys and having their backs and what have you. But, you know, the only time you'd see him going nuts on the sideline is, is if there was a bad call. 
you know, Tibbs, you already saw, you know, there was a, I forget, I think it was the first game, just a terrible defensive breakdown. Somebody gets a wide open three after, you know, a loose ball. Tibbs calls timeout and he's pissed. You saw that happen sometimes with, with Fisdale, but I think, you know, we'll see that a lot more, um, a lot more of that fire from, from Thibodeau um, compared to, you know, kind of what it was with Fizz. Because like you said, just that, that wasn't, that's not necessarily Fizz's personality. He's like, a, you know, a player's coach in the sense that, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to ride you so hard. He's, you know, he's going to be almost like, you know, kind of like your friend a little bit. Um, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bash Fizdale that much. He wasn't a great coach for the Knicks, but I, I don't, I don't, I think he was trying. It just, his style didn't, didn't work. Um, which is, I think why they probably went with, with Thibodeau. Cause it's like, you know, you go all the way on, on one side here with Fizdale. It's like, all right, we gotta, we gotta change it up. We gotta try something different. Um, and I think Thibodeau is obviously something, something much different than, Fisdale, or you could even say, you know, going back to Jeff Hornacek or Derek Fisher, um, he's more of an old school coach as opposed to, you know, those guys were a little, uh, maybe not Hornacek as much, but those guys were a little like newer school. And when you have a guy like Tibbs and, you know, we know he's going to demand a lot of things. He's going to be tough on his players. He's going to coach these guys. But Chip, you know, we've kind of talked about this when we made the hire and having a young team, because what happens sometimes is you got that kind of style uh, with egos in the locker room when players are developed, it may not be a fit. You know, some guys don't want to hear, you know, get him really bitched at, yelled at, screamed at, all that stuff. But do you think that Thibodeau at this point, having some young guys is a good fit? Because these are young guys and these guys are just a year or two removed out of college where they're used to that, you know, from Calipari, from, Coach K, they're getting screamed at. Is this like a – to me, the more that I'm seeing it and watching him coach – I mean, he's not ripping into him and yelling at him. I understand that. But he's coaching him. Is this something that you could see being a good fit because these players have, have dealt with that the last few years and their ego certainly isn't there yet. You know, they, they're still young kids in the NBA that are trying to learn. So from that perspective, when you see Tibbs coaching, you know, let's talk about that a little bit, Chip. Uh, in the sense of, of the fit with Tibbs and some of these young guys. Yeah, and I think they surrounded Tibbs with vets too who are going to be fine with his methods of coaching, whatever you want to call it, uh, old school methods of coaching. Like Austin Rivers obviously has a history with Tibbs uh, and Alec Burks goes back with Johnny Bryant in Utah, Walt Perrin. So he's going to be comfortable in that situation with the coaching staff. And then you have the Kentucky connections with Nerlens Noel, Michael K. Gilchrist. They're going to be comfortable with Kenny Payne. Uh, it's, I think the roster is pretty much set up very well for uh, Tibbs to succeed. Um, Emmanuel, quickly, I just I, – I really like Emmanuel quickly. I hope he – uh, wins out and gets some minutes, but no, I, I like the roster for Tibbs. We talked at length about RJ Barrett and how we don't think it'll be a problem him going from coach K to Tibbs and how similar to Tibbs is to coach K and why RJ is a perfect fit for playing for Tibbs. I just think it's great, but yeah, if RJ is there, I, I think it's a great fit. I think the one guy who, we 
called, I mean, everybody called it. We, we were a show. We talked about it. Mitchell Robinson, Danny, I think you were the one who said, you said, Mitch is a big kid. It could be a problem him with Tibbs. And there's already been reports and rumors that the Knicks are concerned a little bit about Mitch. And now he may not start when everyone assumed he was going to start. In my opinion, it makes absolutely no sense to not start Mitch when you know you're going to suck and why not just, and clearly Nerland's the well doesn't care about starting. Yeah. So he's fine with coming off the bench from his comments. He clearly gets along with Mitch. So just start Mitch and see what you have there as a starter. See if he's a starting center. Perfect segue. Yeah. That, that's what I'm going into to next, by mm-hmm. the way, was were you surprised by seeing that Mitchell Robinson isn't starting? And, and I think you just answered, you know, for me as well, Chip, because yeah, I thought that was like one of these, these shoe and things that we would see Mitchell Robinson starting this year. I don't know. I'm not around the team. I'm not speculating or actually I am speculating here. I don't have any factual evidence or anything like that. So I'm not pretending to know, but maybe from the perspective of seeing Mitchell Robinson the last couple of years, you know, make silly plays, picks up fouls, maybe from that, you know, Tibbs being a tough coach, seeing those things and basically saying, if you want to start, then you got to, you got to show a little bit higher of a basketball IQ and not, you know, I think the other night, you think he had 5,000, he played like 12 minutes. That's not like accurate. I know that, but he just picked up a lot of fouls quickly. So maybe what it is, is Tibbs kind of looking like, no, you're going to earn this type thing. You got to clean up these mistakes because I think me personally, Mitchell Robinson is just a lot of fun to watch has a lot of talent. We all know that, but the thing that is keeping him from taking another step is that he makes those silly plays. He makes those silly mistakes. He leaves his feet when he doesn't freaking have to at times, you know, things like that. So I think maybe that's a reason why they're starting Noel. I would like to see Mitchell Robinson starting. Obviously that's what I expected going into this year, but maybe that's, that's a reason. Danny, I don't know if you agree behind uh, my reasons of that or, or, and, and also were you shocked to see that Mitchell Robinson wasn't starting? Yeah, I think I think I'm 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 kind of in line with with how you guys are looking at it. You know, I wasn't completely shocked, and kind of what I was saying before. Noel is probably outplaying him in practice, which you know I think Tibbs is the kind of guy where you know he's coming in this is his first year in the Knicks. If someone's clearly outplaying another person, you play the person that's winning those battles. Uh, I think you know obviously no one's in training camp, so no one can say for sure. But that would just be my best guess, and then just kind of piggybacking off you. It's got to be, you know, the foul trouble and the the, I, the basketball IQ stuff has to be playing a part in it too, because you know with Mitch, you can live with him, you know, getting getting a foul call when he's underneath the hoop and a guy's driving and he jumps. Maybe a guy, you know, gets him with a nice move. Okay, you know, whatever. He's he's a shot blocker. He's going to block some shots. I can live with that. But it's you know the fouls ninety feet from the basket when the other team gets a rebound and he just goes and just grabs a guy, you know, for no reason. Those are the fouls that have to be driving the coaches nuts. Uh, and, you know, I, clearly he's not completely over that yet. I think hopefully, you know, the same kind of thing with Mitch and Toppin will be as the season goes on, they start to improve, they start to get more consistent, and then they become starters. And then you have Mitch, OB, RJ, you have those three guys in the starting lineup together. I think that's, you know, that that's the the best case scenario for the Knicks 
uh, kind of their future and their, you know, five-year plan or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's the best scenario. But I don't think Tibbs is going to come in and just award Mitch. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to award him starting job just based on what he did the last two seasons. Cause obviously Mitch did some really, really like phenomenal things in his first two years, but I don't think, you know, I think I might be kind of in the camp that everyone who Knicks fans, Knicks writers, you know, everyone who's kind of in this bubble of just watching so many Knicks games, we may have been overrating him a little bit. Obviously if he comes out and he's fantastic this year, then I'm completely wrong. Um, but I think, you know, when you're, when you pay, you're in this little bubble of, you know, paying attention to one team, you have, a t we have a tendency, and this is not just Knicks, this is every fan base. We have a tendency to overrate our guys and say, oh, he's, you know, he's the next Rudy Gobert, he's the next this, he's the next that. Um, Mitch is, you know, I think he's far from a proven commodity. I think at this point we know that he's got a place in the NBA for sure. But is he a definitely, you know, a starting center? Is he going to be a top 10 center in the league? Um, is he going to be a really good bench center um, that you can, you can have on your team? I think there's still a couple different outcomes for him. Um, and then I don't want to get too much into the off-the-court stuff, but like Chip mentioned, there are some reports that there are some concerns. Um, I know one of the ones was, was like a Team USA thing, so it wasn't directly involving the Knicks or whatever. Yeah, it was uh, but, something about Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah, so that uh, you know, I get, I get what, I get why it's reported. I, I understand because you know Van Gundy still has connections um, with the coaches and stuff like that. Um, but the other thing, you know, he's been Mitch is already on his sixth agent, and you know he's not even he hasn't even started his third year in the league. I think you know that might be a little bit of a red flag, like. You know, he was asked a few times, you know, this this training camp, you know, what that was about. And he said, it's a personal thing. I get that. He doesn't have to share it if he doesn't want to. But, you know, if you're moving from one agent to the next to the next. And I think, you know, when he when he got hooked up with Rich Paul and Clutch, it was like, oh, wow. You know, he's really kind of taking that next step. He's he's a real he's re the real deal now. And then, you know, it didn't even didn't even last what, you know eight nine months that he was he was with them and he's he's already off to another guy so I think you know that stuff is kind of a bit of a red flag too um and of course if he comes out he wins the starting job he looks incredible then all all of what I'm saying you can throw it in the in the in the trash bin but um I think going into this year I am a little more hesitant about how I'm feeling about Mitch than I was towards the end of last season before the shutdown yeah, I agree with that for sure. I agree with that. I just think again, it, it's I mean, we know what he can and potentially can do. It's just more of those silly mistakes, those silly decisions he makes. If he cuts back from that, then I think he's a guy that should be starting. Right now, even though I'm surprised by it, I guess I can get it. I guess I understand the decisions behind. If that perhaps is the case, so time will tell with that. But as we kind of now look at the big picture, win total uh, for this Nick team coming up this season, Chip, I'm going to start with you. Uh, give me where you think the Knicks are going to finish uh, record-wise in this upcoming season. Well, over-under is 22 and a half, if I'm not mistaken. That's the, what I saw. So 
I'm going to take actually the slight over and I'm going to say 23. That sounds about right. I'm definitely not going to say anything much higher than that. I know there's, like you said, Matt, there's people who are talking crazy, but I'm not going to go anywhere close to 30. I'm going to say 23. I think that's being conservative, but uh, I don't think they're going to be too much better than that. I, I will say this. Um, I did bet $10 on the Knicks to win the NBA championship this year because it's a big payout. I mean, why not? It's only 10 bucks, you know. No, I don't think I'm cashing any big checks or anything like that. But hey, but if it did know. happen, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> if it does happen, you know, dinner's on me, boys, and I'll buy the beers. You know? uh, but um, no, it's it, it's not going to happen. We're not, you know, I've been around anywhere from 18 to 20 wins this year. I think maybe a few more in there if some of these other young guys take a little bit more of a step, um, then yeah, we can, we can win a few more of these games. But I think if I had to put one number on it, I would say 20 games is what this team will do. Um, it could be less if these young guys struggle, if they're not developing and taking that next step, we can be in a similar situation to what we have seen the last couple of years and being right around that top pick hovering around there once again. That's also a, a real possibility with this team. Um, but I, I do think, you know, guys like Barrett, some other young guys will step up a little bit here and help us win a few more games than what we've had. I would say about 20 wins is the number. Danny, Nick, where do you have this team? Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm gonna just I'm gonna say twenty-four just so I'm not stealing Chip's answer, but I do think I'm kind of right in that same. I think they're uh, going to be a slight over on their, on their over under. Um, I think, like you said, it was 21 and a half or 22 and a half, you know, depending on what, what book you're looking at, but I think they're going to be a slight over just because I think Tibbs is such a good game to game coach. I think, you know, you're going for a random game in Charlotte in February you know, I think the Knicks are going to be much more well-equipped to win those kinds of games just based on Tibbs, you know, game planning, his, uh, his strategies, his, you know, in-game adjustments. I think they're going to be much more um, equipped to win those games with Tibbs than they were with Fisdale last year. So I'm going to go just like I think they're going to be slightly over their, their win total on most sports books. Um, I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're going to hit 30 or anything like that. I don't think they're going to be great. Um, I think we're going to be looking at another another draft lottery where we're, we're waiting to see where the ping pong balls drop. Um, but I think they are going to be a little bit better than they're projected. And uh, this is something we haven't done in a while. The last call. You know, any, any last closing thoughts before we wrap this one up? Um, you know, for me, who does Toppin remind you of? Really quick, just just like off the top of your head, you've seen him only very briefly, but if you have a player comp, who is it? Because I've been calling him Baby Amari. I don't know. It's, it's every, everybody's comp is Amari, but I don't know if I see it. I don't, you I don't know. know. I, just, I just like it, but I don't know if it's like complete Amari style. I can see a little bit here and there, you know, but I'm trying to figure this out. And that's, that, yeah, that's, Amari, a pop, that's a popular one. Every, everyone's been, even I said, yeah, probably pre-draft that started. We had his assistant coach or one of his assistant coaches on from Dayton, and he said he didn't see it with Amari Stadmeyer. He said, like, I know that's the popular one, but 
like we mentioned how uh, he com- Toppin like liked uh, Anthony Davis's game. He mentioned mm-hmm. that, and he said he saw Anthony Davis more because Toppin is trying to like model himself into more of a passer. But he said I thought it was interesting. He said he didn't see the Marty Stoudemire comparison too much. Hey, yeah, yeah I, I've been calling all one four. Even though yeah, I just I, I see. I see Amari, you know, and when I because Amari because he said Obi's more of a shooter than yeah, Amari was. Yeah, Obi shot threes, and Amari's I think Amari would, didn't shoot threes. If Amari was around in this day and age, he probably would shoot some threes. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I think back to that season right before, you know, the half season right before they got mellow. Amari just lived at like the the foul line and the pinch post, and like he just he just lived for those catches and the face up right there. That was that was his game. Um, I think Obi is probably more of like a pick and pop type guy. Um, obviously, he can do he can do that stuff. He can post up. He can catch the ball to free throw. He can do all that. But I see him as like a great pick and pop threat. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't have a great comp for Obi. Um, Maybe we'll get it in a couple of weeks. You know, I, I do. Uh, I do know that. Oh well, um, he he wasn't. I don't think he lived in the area at the time, but. Uh, when I was a junior in high school, we lost in sections to Obi's high school in the first round of playoffs. So that I have a grudge against Obi for that. We lost to Hossing. It's <laughs> good stuff right there. But I think that's all. That's it for this episode. Um, you know, we already talked about next week. We want to do a um, a preview for the whole the whole NBA. Get our predictions in. See if we're right. Uh, so uh, we'll try. to work that out we'll see man we can get some guests to join us as well to kind of have some fun with it and uh, see who's right make fun of the ones who are way off and things like that that's why you do those kind of shows but thank you for listening we'll be back next week for another episode of the next day to my podcast